Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Attention, true crime enthusiasts. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Alexis Codename Doc Holiday Jackson. Most importantly, you are you. You are here. And that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. Fellow conspiracy realist, it is one of our favorite times of the week. It is our listener mail segment where we share the best part of this show, your fellow listener stories, with the best part of this show, you specifically you so stay tuned you might be in today's episode and if you're not we'll give you plenty of ways to contact us so that you can join in uh the maybe not fun but the strangeness right uh this is funny because our first one today is a blast from the past and a couple of levels if you have ever checked out our old uh youtube videos, then you may have heard of this story. And it's surprising, you know, our video on this was the first way a lot of people learned about it. But Noel, I think you uh, found a voicemail that uh, that more people should hear. What do you say? 
Oh, I did. Let's hear it. Let's hear it from Wyatt. Hey, guys. This is Wyatt Parsons from Columbia, Missouri. I previously called and encouraged you all to do an episode on the Secret Space Program, which was great. Those that done listening to your episode on the maple syrup cartel, which was also great, but I just wanted to say uh, it probably could have used the context of mentioning the Phobos cartel, which is a fairly well-known cartel that was um, operated among early light bulb manufacturers in order to keep the prices of light bulbs among themselves uh, as close to as similar as they could while still remaining, quote-unquote, competitive. Um, So I wanted to say, love the show. Appreciate you guys. Have a nice day, and take care. Bye. Oh, Wyatt. You are absolutely right. And uh, and honestly, you know, the story of any kind of collusion and formation of these cartels is always interesting. But to me, the uh, the better place to have mentioned the the Phoebus cartel would have been in our recent discussions of things like planned obsolescence um, or the idea of the right to repair. You know, that sort of that conversation really does kind of go part and parcel with what he's talking about, which is, yeah, a group of light bulb manufacturers um, in the 1920s gathered in Geneva, um, representatives from uh, Germany's Osram Corporation, uh, Philips, which is still around today, uh, from the Netherlands, and uh, Compagnie de Lampes from, uh, from France. Um, also, General Electric was in on it. They essentially got together. And decided that um, it would be in their best interest not to necessarily league up with, well, there's a lot of ramifications of this meeting, but not necessarily to like league up or share supplies or things like that, but essentially to, in tandem, make their products worse. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, to make their products worse. Um, up to that point, engineers working for these companies, their job would have been to how do I improve the life of a light bulb and the filament with like different material sciences and all of the research that goes into that stuff. Uh, what they realized is if you have a bulb that burns forever, um, they can't sell you more bulbs. And, and therein kind of became the dawn of the idea of planned obsolescence, which now we know is applied to all kinds of other things like the iPhone and any product. There's different flavors of it, though. There's like psychological planned obsolescence where, like, say, you know, a company will sort of psychologically um, trick you, maybe. Well, trick is maybe, I don't know, it depends um, where you stand, whether it's trickery or not, but convince you that you need the next best thing. And that if you don't have that... Or you're a bad person, you're a failure, you're, you should be ashamed. There's a really, really great piece that talks about the uh, Phoebus cartel and also the genius of um, Alfred P. Sloan, um, who you may know from NPR, the Alfred P. Sloan Foundation. Um, he was, in fact, a guy who was a genius business person, um, very much like Alf- Edward Bernays type guy who, who weaponized psychology to trick people into thinking that they needed, um, uh, give them so many options that they think if they didn't have all the options or at least the next best model, um, then they were somehow lacking. Uh, the idea of keeping up with the Joneses. You know, this is something that was kind of sold to us as consumers. This is actually right around the time um, we were starting to be referred to as consumers. But but back to Phoebus. Ben, you mentioned this is a blast from the past. You and Matt, before my time, did an excellent uh, video about the Phoebus cartel. Um, what was y'all's takeaway uh, when you first discovered this very, very real uh, bit of uh, collusion and um, kind of price fixing and the idea of, you know, taking at something that you should be improving and and 
consciously making it worse so that you can sell more of the thing. Oh, man. Hey, thanks so much, Noel. It's, it, it makes my day to know that, that you checked it out, mainly because Matt and I were talking about this earlier. That That's one of the classic videos we did that really does hold up and more people should know about it. Um, this was, gosh, Matt, when was it that we did this one? Shoot. Um, that video was released in 2014. Wow, uh, the time October twenty fourteen. Hey, hey, all right. So it's it's strange because this idea was phrased as standardization, even in a lot of internal documents. They weren't calling it a grift. They were saying, "Let's make sure we're all selling the same expectations, right, for a product." But the problem was the standardization they created kind of crippled the lifespan of light bulbs, uh, making them all last a thousand hours. And before the cartel's ascendancy, the average light bulb would last like more than 2000 hours, like 2,500 hours. And, Mm -hmm. and Apple was still, you know, very much active when we were making this video. And it's kind of like, um, I don't know about you, Matt, but I experienced what is it, kind of a Bader-Meinhof thing with the idea of planned obsolescence because I started seeing it everywhere. Even now, you can have a pretty strong debate about how much of a manufacturer's recommended things are meant to sell more stuff versus get the best operation out of something, right? Like, uh, I'm thinking of things like... um, how often one should or should not use certain beauty products, for example. I'm thinking of how like directives on how to use something can also be a part of this planned obsolescence you're talking about. And it's just it's just extended. Phoebus got away with it too, by the way. The the only reason that they really ended, they were planning to break up in 1955 but then world war ii came along and they had bigger Mm -hmm. fish to fry bigger bulbs of light Mm. that's right it's interesting too because i mean the history of this is so fascinating because you know think about it the light bulb was like one of the great innovations of mankind you know i mean it was like it went from gas lamps to these electric light bulbs on par with like the 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 automobile and uh, understandably there was a lot of competition um when electrification was kind of introduced uh into the world uh, into all kinds of other vehicles for example like bikes and you know cars headlights and street lights and all of the other possibilities that you needed uh for light bulbs so uh, it was these um this kind of cartel the formation of this cartel was as a result of sales dropping. The Osram Corporation, um, their German sales dropped from 63 million light bulbs in 1922 to 23 fiscal year to 28 million the following. So they were actually the ones, it was their head, William Meinhardt, that uh, decided to, you know, put this group together um, and kind of cut out all of the smaller players and just, you know, make uh, an understanding that they would, like you said, Ben, limit. Literally, it took them a while, too, interestingly, to figure out how to work backwards uh, to get it at a standardized amount of, of hours of, of light, uh, a thousand hours, what they were shooting for. It took them quite, quite a few years to get that perfect. But then they did. There's a really great piece on NPR's Planet Money that talks about this story and then talks about, again, like I was talking about the Alfred P. Sloan story where Sloan essentially 
decided to give more options to people with cars. He was competing with Ford, who had invented this, you know, the Model T, which was a very workmanlike kind of, you know, almost like a piece of farm equipment. It wasn't sexy. Uh, Ford famously said, Ben, I'm sure you recall this from car stuff episodes, uh, he can have it in any color as long as it's black. Yeah. Um, but then uh, Chevrolet totally changed the game by realizing that women were largely making financial decisions for the household, including cars. Um, and that if you had more options uh, for, you know, variety and style, that'd be something that they would maybe glom onto a little more than men who maybe were a little more utilitarian, you know, at the time, not to, you know, overly uh, generalize, but I think that was the idea and it definitely worked. And then Ford was forced to release the Model A and uh, constantly kind of was keeping up with uh, this, you know, marketing. It really, it is marketing because they're selling the same invention just wrapped up in a different package. But um, nowadays, you know, when we have these more costly and more efficient and longer lasting um, LED bulbs, it's something to think about, you know, how we got to where we are now. Um, and I've got to wonder, like, is that same thinking going into LED lights or are they really working to make them as efficient and long lasting as possible? Because yeah. it was ultimately General Electric that kind of spilled the beans on the cartel because they got brought up on, I believe, some anti-competition charges. And in the court case, uh, some information got leaked or, or was was in the you know the uh, documentation and the the testimony about the Phoebus cartel uh and that's when it kind of got essentially disbanded just on the led bulb front i've only got my own experience but i installed led lights in my entire house three years ago and one of them has gone out one bulb out of that's pretty I good know how many dozens yeah how long is a thousand hours though? Is that like, you know, and this is obviously if you're turning your lights off at night, a thousand hours should last you what, maybe a year? Mm, I don't know. Like right now there are lights on in this room in my house, zero other lights. So it's hard to judge, right? So maybe I'm just a bad test case. Well, there's also, there's something interesting about LED light bulbs. Uh, some folks may recall that LED light bulbs are thought to last like 50,000 hours. They can last, if you keep them on 12 hours a day, that works out to more than a decade. It's like 11 years. So the issue is that it's hard to sell these long-lasting bulbs, so some manufacturers have been designing LED light bulbs that will burn out sooner. They're, they're meant to, or they need upgrades or replacements of some component to continue working. And this is not necessarily illegal. There are other, like you said, Noel, there are other genres of planned obsolescence, and some of them are things that humans just routinely accept in their lives, like the disposable culture, right? right. You, buy, you buy razor blades in bulk, and you're supposed to get rid of them. Or, or with printers, printers are often purposely designed such that when, when one part of it breaks, Replacing just that part is so prohibitively expensive that it's cheaper just to buy another printer. And in many cases, they're just making money off the ink anyway, so they don't oh, really absolutely. care how much you pay for the, the printer. I think it's true, and I think we're going to see more of it, especially as society, at least in the developed world, trends further and further away from an ownership culture and further and further into the wild land of a subscription or... Um, service rental 
culture. Now, there's no doubt we're, we're, we're more than we've got. We've got more than our toes dipped in that model. By the way, uh, a year, a calendar year is roughly eight thousand seven hundred and sixty hours. So, uh, yeah, a thousand hours. You can change your light bulbs around eight times a year uh, if you leave them on all the time. I mean, obviously, this is you know, people are not leaving their light bulbs on constantly, but that's significant. Um, so. Very interesting stuff. Thank you, Wyatt, for hipping us to this blast from the past uh, and also having, having us revisit it because I think it's more valid now than ever. And, uh, and so also take it with a healthy grain of salt when you read things that put the burden of the light bulb working on the consumer. When they say, hey, this is uh, an energy saving tip for your home or something like that. I'm not saying they're lying to you. I'm, I'm just saying keep your eyes open. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, let's take a quick pause for a word from our sponsor, and then we'll come back with more messages from you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. All right, and we're back, and we are jumping to the phone lines. 
to hear from Schneider. So here we go. Hi, uh, my name is Schneider. I use they them pronouns. Uh, I'm going to tell you a spooky story about the time I met a ghost at a concentration camp. So I lived in Germany for about a decade, right? And every year they would take us to a concentration camp to show off, like, hey, this is our history. Uh, let's not repeat it. Let's learn from it, etc. Well, I was about 16 at the time with a bunch of my friends. And we were in the crematorium just walking through, looking at everything. The crematorium is a large cement structure. There's no way in or out. There's no vent other than the, like, pipes that pump that smoke. In the crematorium, they have this giant, like, book where they, they wrote down the names of everyone who was cremated in that building. So all my friends are flipping through, and they're poking fun at, like, oh, look, there's so many people who have your name. Look at all the Schneiders. Well, Schneider is like the name Smith. It's super common. Anyway, they don't know this, but I am the direct descendant of people who narrowly escaped the Holocaust. While my grandparents managed to escape, a lot of their other family did not. Now, I don't know what camp they went to or even if they went at all. I don't know when they were killed. We weren't really informed on the subject as children. It's not something we talked about. It's also the middle of German summer. Now, German summer is a lot like Georgian summer. I lived in Columbus for about three years, so I know how hot it gets out there, guys. It's hot in this building. They start poking fun. They say, look, Schneider, look, it's you. It plummets to freezing temperatures in that building on the drop of a hat. And we hear this, like, howl kind of sound coming from the ovens. And needless to say, it scared the respect into us real quick. It could have been something perfectly normal, but I'm convinced it was a ghost. Uh, teaching us that, hey, stop joking around about this stuff. It's really serious, guys. Anyway, that's my story. Thanks, guys. Love the show. Bye. Wow. Schneider, I think I can speak for all of us first off when I say you're your friends need to learn to be better behaved just in like to put it, put it lightly, but what a, what a fascinating story, huh? Yeah. Uh, the concept that some, you know, 16, 15, 16, 17 year old kids in a place like that joking around could cause something to occur like that, even if it's completely coincidence, right? Hmm. Even if they're joking around and then something just occurs that's a normal process within that place that is now in many ways a, um, you know, a, a place of remembrance and a museum of sorts with that book that Schneider mentioned. And if that's the furthest, uh, most skeptical thing, it's just completely unrelated, just a normal thing. Uh, even then, it's a story, I think... That's worth retelling, and I do appreciate that Snyder retold it to us. Um, if not, if it's something else, my goodness, uh, it gives you chills a little bit, the, the feeling, that concept of the temperature changing so rapidly after mm -hmm. that. I, I do, I will say, I know not everybody believes this, and I know a great deal of the experience may be psychological in nature rather than physiological, but... I think everybody has been in a place that has uh, been the location of a great deal of atrocity or a great deal of, of horror 
from humans to each other and has felt the place was somehow different in one way or another. You know, a tale as old as time, people have walked, uh, people have stumbled across cemeteries because something in the field didn't feel right. Uh, it reminds me of this excellent book called The Gift of Fear, which I, I highly recommend, which essentially the argument is that you're unconscious mind picks up a lot of things that your conscious mind might miss. And when you get a bad vibe or you get a strange feeling, that could be your some other part of your mind saying, hey, you in the forebrain, pay attention to this. Um, and with that, I, I think, uh, what a story, Schneider. I, I'm, still, I'm still sorting through this, but I, I think there are a lot of factors at play here, as you said, Matt. Yeah, and just to take it to graveyards for a moment, I was having a conversation with a friend the other day, and we are discussing the concept that graveyards have this weird feeling many times. We get that weird feeling if we're in a graveyard. But depending on what you believe is going on with a human when it expires, when any mm -hmm. human expires, um, a graveyard may not be the place that should feel weird. Right. Right. If there is if there's a body slash soul slash whatever that the consciousness is uh, connection, then no, nothing's in that graveyard, really. Right. Except for the the corporeal forms of people. And if there's something else that exists, then it probably left that body at the moment that that person expired. And I'm imagining this place where Schneider is in this concentration camp within this crematorium at that site this would be a place where a great many people expired. Sure. So I can imagine some kind of, if there is something to that, you know, to mm -hmm. the, the soul or a spirit or that energetic part I think it's of the human. Energy. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. what I always associate it with is like some sort of like energy signature, you know, that kind of remains. Like, I don't know if I would call something like that a ghost, but I feel like we always talk about things like vibes, you know, and the movie vibes don't even mm, get Ben started. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's an excellent movie. Everyone should see it. It's totally worth your time. And I'm not joking. I, I quite enjoyed it very much. Uh, but no, it's a thing. You, you can sense people's vibes, whether when they're alive. And I don't think there's any reason why you should be able to sense remnants of those when they're, when they're not, especially in a place like say like the catacombs, you know, of Rome or something like that, where, you know, you just have thousands and thousands of, of rema remains, you know, that are there. Um, uh, and they're called remains for a reason. It's, it's something that's mm -hmm. left behind. And I think it's not just physical sometimes. I, I truly believe that. And I've, and I've felt it. Mm -hmm. And I think even for the most skeptical, uh, that is a, however you would like to interpret or however you would like to explain it to yourself or to others, that is a feeling that is going to be very familiar to many of the people listening today. And I... Um, don't talk a ton about my personal beliefs in in this show in particular. I don't think they particularly matter. Um, and we try to be objective as possible, uh, so I, I don't want to distract from that. But I, I am I am going to say it is my personal belief that history is a palimpsest, and that traces of things that occur can linger in ways that human beings don't fully understand. I can't conclusively prove it. Because there's not there's not a way to yet, so it's just one entity's opinion. But I, I don't think that it's I don't think it's very much of a of a hot take. And I'm honestly, we have to make this point. It is incredibly important. Even though those kids were being jerks, it is incredibly important for children to be aware of those sites and to be aware 
of what happened there. Uh, because as soon as people forget something like that, that's when another group of people comes around and engages in the in the next iteration of it all across the world, all across time. Uh, so if if this put a little bit of what they would call it in the South, a little bit of the fear of God into those kids, then overall, and I don't want to sound like a monster here, overall, I think that's a very good thing. I don't disagree, Great. sir. So thank you so much, Schneider, for sending us that story. Okay, so we're going to jump over to one more quick voicemail, and it is coming from Road Dog. Hey, strange dudes. This is Road Dog from Arizona. Listened to your uh, podcast the other day about uh, the Mulu and training cows how to pee. Uh, I think you missed a great opportunity for some comedy. Uh, several years ago, the government and a few multinational corporations got together, figured out a way how to sell cow piss to the Americans particularly the American uh, Trucking Association. It's called DEF, and it's an additive that we use to uh, knock out the sulfur that comes out of the emissions of uh, tractor trailers. And uh, so there you go. I think we figure out how to sell a cow piss, and uh, I don't know who's better for it or where the laugh goes. Gentlemen, take care. Well, Amazing. you know what? The story around that <laughs> article or that, that news story, there was a question of what are they going to do with all of these gallons upon gallons of cow urine? Maybe they had a plan the whole time and they were just being like coy about it. They're right? a Peebus cartel. All right. Uh, <laughs> there's, the, there's the comedy. There's the comedy that Road Dog was, was, was missing. Oh, man. Well, oh. hey, Road Dog, thank you for, for telling us about that. I know you're uh, out there driving right now, probably doing some work. What are we going to uh, do with just, all those, those jars of those jugs of trucker piss? That's what I want to know. <laughs> hey, well, Gatorade. This, it's, it's, dude, it's all, this is all one thing here. Okay, so DEF, first of all, this is diesel exhaust fluid. This is primarily made up of water and urea, the stuff that's in urine. Not a ton of it in urine, but it is a big part of urine. And um, I, I just went down a bit of a rabbit hole, Ben. I thought you would probably be the best one to to actually walk us through some of this, just from your from your car stuff days. Okay. But this stuff is an additive that, to my knowledge, and from everything that I can find, uh, is generated in a laboratory setting because of the concentrations needed of urea within these compounds. Uh, if you were just to take urine, let's say cow urine, you would have a certain percentage of urea within that, then you'd have to have to synthesize that down somehow. Um, and it's, it appears that it's much, much easier to just generate urea with a couple simple chemicals in a lab. Yeah, that's going to tend to be correct. In a weird way, you could get to, and I don't know if this is happening yet. Some, somebody reach out and let us know. Uh, you can get to a world in which, automobile components or trucking components are sold as organic labels. Like here's your organic, more expensive cow generated DEF. Um, it, it would just have to be, you just have to figure out where the, where the economics makes sense. But that's my understanding right now is the same as, as what you said. It's much more affordable to create DEF out of synthetic chemicals. I, I've also heard bat urine being used, road dog, which I think is cool because, um, I mean, it's mainly a myth, but how cool would it be if you could tell your friends that you're, you did have a bat mobile? It's just, yeah. it's a bat urine mobile, but you know, 
work the ease them into that part of it open with Batmobile. So look, I don't have the best sources here, but I went to truckingtruth.com and just checked out what they have to say. Uh, Maybe don't take this as complete fact, but this is what they have to say over here. Um, Human urine is roughly 90, 95% water. And the actual urea concentration is around 9.3 grams per liter. At least, again, according to this website, it's not exactly the Mayo Clinic. But uh, if you think about that, there's a very low concentration. If you think about the urea concentration in DEF that's available in stores for your big rigs, that's around 32.5% urea. So it's going to be tough to get unless you're just taking tons and tons and tons of cow piss. Oh, my God. It is true, guys. (laughs) It's also... (laughs) It's also there. This has nothing to do with the um, confusing to me Japanese drink Calpis, which is C-A-L-P-I-S. Try it, you know, if you're open minded, but it does not contain urea as far as I know. My Japanese is not good enough to understand the entirety of the label. But Matt, what you're saying leads to a really interesting question, uh, which I have heard before. People have asked, hey, if I'm. If I'm low on store-bought DEF, can I can I just pee in my DEF tank just to get to like the the next stop or whatever? The I'm answer is the same thing. <laughs> the answer is you can, but it's very no. bad. It's very bad to do so. It's like you'll saying, destroy that. Saying you can pee in there is like saying you can put sugar in a gas tank. It's not going to work out well, uh, and you should not do it. It's not a cool MacGyver move. Um, also, depending on where you decide to uh, to urinate in your TEF tank, you might have an audience that uh, is very confused, very confused about your motivations and uh, where you're at emotionally and psychologically. Uh, I, but urea does have uses, right, Matt? Beyond DEF, it's been used in um, agriculture, I believe. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's nitrogen, hydrogen, carbon, and oxygen. That's what urea is all the great things that you need that the Mm -hmm. planet needs the humans need (laughs) just Mm -hmm. in a different form slightly different uh, (laughs) configuration there matt noel i think we've stumbled across something this is a pitch to you road dog matt noel i'll see if you guys have my back on this one you don't have to if it's too weird just throw me under the tractor trailer as they say okay road dog here's the idea here's the idea If we know that it is cheaper to manufacture synthetic DEF, then why not get into the organic DEF business, man? Why not collect the the mass of urine from these potty trained cows? And if you can figure out how to like how to derive it effectively in a way that doesn't break the bank, then you could be selling it as organic DEF. I don't pay a lot of heed to stereotypes, but I think it would do well in like California. I think you could get a market. What do you What do you guys think? Too crazy? I think it's a great idea, Ben. I mean, as long as it's not like you know trying to hop on the like organic, you know, uh, kombucha urine as a replacement for kombucha thing. You know, there was all those quacks that were saying what? drinking urine's good for you. Remember that? That was a thing. Turns out mm. not not good for you at all. Sort of neutral, but definitely not like good for you. Yeah. No. No. Thank you. Hey, make that up. It's a thing called urine therapy. It's like a, it's a whole, yeah, a whole yeah. There's also uh, some um, kind of gurus who recommend it. In yes. Usually it's drinking your own urine. 
Yeah. Oh, okay. it's not it's not the guru's urine. No, wow, well, depends uh, on the guru. That's where you get the cult territory. <laughs> you know. So, road dog, be careful. Don't pee in or on your truck, please. <laughs> unless you have to, unless it's a Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar bottle. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, the multi-purpose soda. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, that's it for now. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals. Your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. And we have returned. Doc, hit that spooky sound cue we're doing for October. Check this out, guys. Visual effects and changing the lights. It's time for uh, some ghost stories. Uh, as, as you said earlier, for the rest of October, I'm just... Reading uh, the fellow's ghost stories, and we are comparing notes on these to see if, like in the case of Schneider, we can get a little sense of what's going bump in the night here. So our first one is a voicemail 
And it comes from Mario. Uh, Noel, Matt, I would love to hear uh, your thoughts on this. Here we go. Hey, guys, this is Mario. I have a ghost story for you guys. I've been wanting to tell somebody this story. Many years ago, when I was a child, I'm 40 now, and I was probably about eight years old. And in my mom and dad house, it was just me and them. And around maybe two or three, I woke up in the middle of the night, laying in the bed. I could see a light on the wall, and it zigzagged, went up and down, moved around, and then went away just like that. I was scared to death. I put the covers over my head, stayed there, didn't move. So let me tell you, no one is behind us. No one lived on the side of us, behind us. No roads behind us. No anything. I've just always wondered this. I never told anybody this story. I told my wife the story about a few years ago, and this story still gives me chills when I tell someone this story. I don't believe in ghosts, don't believe in UFOs, but love you guys show. I love our murder mysteries. Um, I like you guys to discuss it. Thanks. Well, come to the right place, Mario. So it's interesting because, you know, Mario did something very prescient. You already could tell, like you already clocked the, one of the first things that the three of us would ask, which would be light sources. uh, Right. And, and this is something that we've talked about, but I, the more I listen to it, I'm, First off, you have a, you have a great voice for storytelling as well, Mario. Uh, the more I listened to it, the more I realized they were checking off some of the obvious boxes. Right? There's no there's no road to refract light. It sounds like it's not just a glow, which could come from an ambient source like the moon on a foggy evening. So, so what do you guys think about this? Obviously, really affected them. Yeah, it definitely did. Man, I don't know why I had this image in my mind. Of the burn-in I get. So there's a ring around the camera that I'm looking at right now. And if I close my eyes and I look around, even if I open them and there's a dark space that I'm looking at, I see that ring of light. Sure. I'm I'm not saying this is what happened, Mario. I'm just, that's the first image that came to my mind is that burn-in effect where if it's zigzagging around as you're looking at the wall and it seems to be following where your eyes are following, Hmm. that would be one thing. It sounds like that's not what this is. That's just the way my my brain put it into a an image. Yeah, I'll tell you one that gets me every time is this is not related, but well, it sort of is. Like I'll wake up in the middle of the night and I will see like some clothing hanging over the back of a chair, maybe with like a a, a hat on top of it, and I will genuinely think there's like someone leering over my bed, you know, or even like I have a rack of hats on my closet door, like on these little hooks. And sometimes if I catch it just right from a certain angle, I think there's someone like hulking over me, like a massive, like tall figure. Um, again, not, not trying to explain your story away. I'm just saying this is something that I genuinely in the moment, I'm like terrified, like almost like shadow people type terrified. Another thing I'm thinking about here are lasers hmm. Be, again, because of the way it moves. But I, Mario didn't mention anything about streaking. I feel like you would observe the streaking of a laser moving um, if you if that's what he was seeing. But that's something that could, if it was just a, a lone person out in the woods maybe, and they had one of those more high-powered lasers and just shining it around, and it just happened to go through a window and stay on the wall for a bit. Wouldn't that be kind of specialized equipment, though, 30 years, 32 years ago? Because, Mario, you said you're 40. You saw this when you were eight I mean, they were out there, definitely. They were definitely out there, but I don't know how. I guess laser it wouldn't have to be super strong. 
Yeah, I, I guess yeah. wouldn't have to be super strong either, depending on how close they were. But then that's that's another frightening possibility. How close was someone to your house? If that's the explanation, I mean, this clearly made an impression on you, Mario. Um, this, and I think we have a lot of fellow conspiracy realists who have their own childhood experiences that they they still can't explain. Actually, we know this because we've received a lot of wonderful correspondence from these folks. I would, you know, I'd love to hear. Um, anything, I'd love to hear a little bit more about the house. I'd love to hear a little bit more about maybe possible sounds that were unusual that you heard or anything else, because sometimes searching in the, for that unexpected context can get you a little bit closer to an explanation, but thank you so much for calling us. Glad you made it out of there and would love to hear if anything else unusual happened, uh, during your time in that place. For now, we're going to move to the last ghost story of the day. This story comes to us from Kevin, and it really, uh, I was really interested in this. I want to see what you all think. Hi, conspiracy people, says Kevin. Having heard your recent call for scary stories, I thought I would share mine if there is interest. Oh, Kevin, there is interest. It takes place in Shanghai, China, and is related to the Wukang Mansions, which has a history of hauntings. The ghostly fright is followed by some historical context. Thanks in advance for reading. Uh, before we begin, we can talk about the historical context together. I think would be the best way to do it. But we're gonna we're gonna edit some of it because it is it is uh, pretty detailed. A ghostly tale rooted in tragic reality. Wooden floorboards creaked beneath his shifting feet as a friend mumbled, not sure how to describe it, but there's a presence in the baby's room. Intentionally vague or not, I was ushered through a door, his hand firmly at my back. Please go in and let us, uh, know if you, uh, feel something. Hesitantly stumbling forward, I found myself in a room awash in blue light. Dust particles twinkled in and out of existence. Below large French bay windows was an antique bed, complete with candlewick coverlet and a wrought iron frame. At the foot of the bed was a chest of drawers. In the farthest reaches of the room, a bassinet sat still on wooden rockers. Minus the blue glow, the furniture and walls were muted white. Rubbing a hand over the coverlet's embroidery, an odd, unwelcome chill entered my body. Yanking my hand away, I tried to shake it off. Failing, something tugged at my side. As if possessed, my arm lifted itself into the air, taking aim at the chest of drawers. Against internal protest, it continued to stretch itself towards the end of the bed. Feet petrified, my upper body leaned forward, helping what my mind did not want. My arm seemingly grew in length, extending itself further than was humanly possible, emanating from the bottom of my spine. Another chilly wave confirmed it. A presence was undeniable." Fingers reaching the base of the bed, a dark shadow began to grow from beneath. My hand began to tremor as it continued to defy caution. Fingers crossing a threshold I was not prepared to breach. Inches from the approaching darkness, I held my breath, willing them to stop. Neither index nor the middle finger listened. If my heart had been beating, it had surely stopped. The room's atmosphere was eerily silent. Another inch of space was passed, reaching its edge. My fingers entered then trespassed, hovering dangerously above the darkness. A cold vice suddenly clapped soundly around my fingers. The lights went out. Blindly smacking a ghostly apparition away, my upper body sprung upwards, my heart threatening to burst from my chest. I heaved loudly over my own frightening gasp, hyperventilating lungs starved for oxygen. A tiny yet faintly familiar female voice cried, Hey, what did you do that for? 
watching me struggle for a single breath, white-knuckling the bedspread, eyes wide with terror. The woman beside me was witnessing a full-blown panic attack, inhaling harshly. I wheezed, who are you? Mind not yet cleared. I tried to continue. What is going delicate steady hands back as my own shaking ones she tried to comfort me as i rambled where i mean you after a long minute panting shallowy eyes adjusting to the darkness muddiness gave way to clarity i was finally able to confirm that i was safely in our bed the woman was my wife and most importantly there was no longer an earthly presence so we'll we'll pause there we'll we'll actually stop there again as Matt said you can read the full thing in in this wonderful article by Kevin on Medium uh it is called a ghostly tale rooted in tragic reality I thought of sleep paralysis when I read this did that sound familiar to you guys you can't move yeah. you know yeah you're you're dreaming but everything feels real you're in the same place physically where you are in your mind feels very similar yeah matt you were the one several years ago came up with the idea of looking deeper into sleep paralysis and we have we have some great stuff on it for anybody who's interested in reading more about the the science surrounding this as well as the folklore which i think are equally fascinating but there's another fascinating thing that you've done here kevin which is to go from from this experience kevin's okay his wife's okay uh, although, you know, she's very patient with him. Uh, Kevin goes on to talk in depth about the historical context of the Wukang man- mansion and why so many people feel it's haunted. And he adds that at the time, they were living within, what did he say, within 100 yards of this area. And I, I get the sense that um, Kevin is maybe a little bit more on on the skeptical side in terms of how, how this is described, but he says he'd never had a panic attack like that. Um, could it have been a nightmare? I mean, have you guys ever had, I feel silly asking, but have you guys ever had uh, very, very vivid nightmares? Like I was saying a minute ago about the, you know, the, the hats and the coats and stuff like that, that tends to join up with a nightmare type situation. I wake up mm. and feel as though there's something, you know, kind of glowering over me. Never had a nightmare. Not once. Lies. Not once. Nope. Nope. It's all, it's only, all just... Only rainbows and puppies, puppies. and arcade games. <laughs> yes. This one was fascinating as well for the context because uh, it talks a little bit about something called the Red Guard, which many Westerners might not be aware of. The Red Guards were, uh, as Kevin puts it, a student-led paramilitary force they were fanatically ideological they they determined who would be a quote-unquote enemy of the state and then they would subject them to like sanctioned mob violence it's like all, all the scary things you see in all the scary things you see in fiction about children being turned into spies you know what I mean? And like reporting on their parents, very Orwellian stuff. Uh, some of that actually happened or something like that happened in uh, in China. And a lot of people died as a result. So it's a glimpse into a, it's a glimpse into a story that I think a lot of people are unfamiliar with and, and should read more about. But it's also uh, for anybody who has uh, has had a panic attack. It's also a racing story 
because if you've ever had a panic attack, you know that while you're in those endless moments, it feels like nothing can fix it. And uh, I don't think something has to be a ghost to be frightening in that regard. Agreed. And we hope you agree. We hope that you are also enjoying some of these wonderful ghost stories we're getting from around the world. And we would love to hear from you. So thanks to everybody who took the time to call in. Road Dog, if this business idea works out, you don't owe us a thing. You know what I mean? Just shout us out in the commercials. And we wish you luck. Uh, If you would like to take a page or a phone from your fellow listeners' books, why why not join the show? Reach out to us online. We try to be easy to find. Oh, yes. You can find us all over the Internet. We are Conspiracy Stuff on YouTube, Conspiracy Stuff on Twitter, Conspiracy Stuff on Facebook. You can also join our Facebook group. Here's where it gets crazy. Or hit us up on Instagram where we're Conspiracy Stuff Show. If you don't like social media, you can use your mouth to contact us. And you don't have to do it in some alleyway or at a crossroads or into a darkened mirror with four candles. You can just call us. Our number is one eight three three stdwytk You'll have three minutes. Those three minutes are your own. Uh, give yourself a cool nickname. Uh, let us know if it's okay to use your name and or voice on the show. And then tell us what's on your mind, whether you're sharing a spooky story or you're, uh, you've got some more information on one of our recent episodes. We would love to hear from you. Most importantly... In the list of important things, there's a space between number two, and this is at the very top of the page. Don't feel like you have to edit yourself. Don't feel like you have to censor yourself. If you have a story or if you have something to share with us and it needs more than three minutes, then take all the time you need. Send along any supplemental links, any photographs, any uh, any audio samples, whatever's on your mind. Send it to us directly at our good old-fashioned email address, where we are. Conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? 
Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals. Your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax. Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com.